Hi, I'm David Forrest and welcome to episode six of the Business and Chill podcast. We're the podcast that speaks to business people in the northeast of Scotland and finds out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the workplace. In this episode, we speak to Ailey McCluskey, who is the founder and managing director of Bold Street Media. Bold Street Media is a PR agency that's based in Aberdeenshire. During the course of our conversation, Ailey discussed uh, a lot of things, including what it was like to go from working in a large uh, PR agency in a big city to moving back to Aberdeenshire, where she found the PR industry was was very different. Uh, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Ailey. Ailey, thanks very much for agreeing to come on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. No problem. Um, for, first question, as always, is um, have you brought along a drink with you? And if so, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I have, definitely. I think the sunny weather makes me feel like uh, four o'clock Friday gin is okay. So, uh, yeah, gin and tonic. Ah, per- perfect sunny sunny day uh, drink. Um, Absolutely. I, I was actually tempted by one of them myself, to be honest. I'm not a huge gin drinker, but when it comes to fine weather, uh, I often have the, the odd one or two. But I've stuck with beer for, for today, so I've got a... An IPA from Verdant Brewing, I think they're down in England somewhere. But we'll start off just uh, on the on the business side of things. Then, um, if you could maybe just uh, give us a bit of sort of background on yourself uh, and a career history. Yeah. Um. God. So yeah, going back a little bit now, but I suppose I um, left school back in two thousand and two, I think it was, um, and headed down to Liverpool to go to university, um, pursuing a career hopefully at the end of that in in media so it was media that I studied for three years at university but it was a really hands-on um course um, the production side of tv um really fortunate to have such an amazing opportunity on that course and with it being so practical and it was um partnered with channel four so yeah lots of amazing experience but wasn't until my final year in university that um, we did a PR module um, and realized that it was something that I hadn't, hadn't considered in the past, but something that I was really interested in and just that whole brand perception and creation and, and, and the workings of PR and how important it is for a brand. Um, and so I suppose coming out the end of university, um, switched my focus less so onto TV and the production that went alongside that and more so to do with PR and um, and really went after it and landed my first job in PR before I'd actually graduated. So um, yeah, it was amazing, really fortunate to be taken on by a really um, well-known and well-thought-of PR agency in Liverpool a couple of months before I graduated and so really hit the ground running, mm-hmm. um, really kind of putting all I'd learned at university, um, almost to one side, which was which was a strange one. Um, and, and starting from scratch, the, the owner of the PR agency was very much learn on the job. Great that you've got a degree, but PR in the real world is something very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I suppose then started my career um, in Liverpool, working for that agency for, for quite a few years and, and getting a huge amount of opportunity with them and working on a huge range of clients um, so working for public sector so working for the NHS doing their public relations for um, public health campaigns but also working on some really exciting um, 
private sector clients working for the Grand National, publicising it for them and, and the PR that goes along with that, um, working with Kellogg's and doing PR for new product launches. Um, so it was a really exciting agency to work for and, and it was a lot of hard work, mm -hmm. um, a hugely steep um, learning curve. Um, not much rest, not much downtime, um, but an amazing experience. Um, stayed with them for a number of years, um, almost till I, I think I probably hit a little bit of burnout just from the, the pace of it um, and decided to go with an opportunity that presented itself uh, to me to go and work in-house um, for, for the NHS and really see the, the other side, I suppose, of the world of PR, mm -hmm. being the in-house um, communications team for the NHS um, in Liverpool and looking at communications from, from the inside, looking at internal comms, looking at their campaigns, but, but from a more internal structured route rather than being the, the outsider looking in. Um, and then ended up leaving Liverpool and coming back to Aberdeen and working in Aberdeen. I worked for um, a, a PR agency in Aberdeen and then also went and worked in-house um, at an oil and gas service company. So again, seeing it from both sides and, and really trying to kind of build my experience. Yeah. Until, yeah, in 2016, um, was kind of hit with, I suppose, part of the, the oil downturn um, and was made redundant um, from my job in oil and gas um, and really, grabbed hold of that opportunity and decided to set up my own business and and started bold street media mm -hmm. okay a couple of questions i've got coming out of that then if we go sort of way way back to going to university to start off with to study the media thing um what, what was that about liverpool that, that that made you choose that yeah i suppose well the the course that um i applied for in liverpool i suppose i applied for a few different media courses across scotland and england but the one in in liverpool was um a really small course it was only 25 places on the course each year so to get into it obviously you needed the, the grades but you also had to go through a really intense interviewing process and you had to submit a project kind of a portfolio of work of ideas um, and yeah go through an interview process as well um, and I think because it was offering such a huge opportunity I'd say it was offering you the um, the theory side um, in terms of you know your coursework but the reason they kept the course so small was because of the practical element so because we were working closely with a lot of um, producers floor managers um, script writers from from channel four their time was was precious so they couldn't offer that opportunity to a lot of people. So mm -hmm. I think just the, the huge opportunity that I saw with that, that course made me, um, made me really go for it. Um, and yeah, just um, love the city as well. It's a, it's a fantastic city for anybody mm -hmm. who hasn't been. Well, I, I can't say I actually have never been to Liverpool myself. Um, so on that recommendation, I'll maybe make it on, put it on my list. For future, if if we're ever allowed to travel again, board for Liverpool. I'm always recommending it to people. Yeah, maybe I should get a job with the Liverpool uh, City PR PR board, yeah, advertising it. Um, okay, so you you started off with that. So that course you started in uni, you, you general that covered a lot of different stuff media wise, and then you said you focused in on the PR specifically. Um, what was it about the the PR side of things that appealed to you? 
I just found it really um, interesting in terms of, I suppose, how it goes alongside a lot of a lot of things, you know, whether it's you know, the whole media landscape. So there's, you know, there's PR that covers um, in TV, in print media, in digital, um, and it and it's applicable to a whole raft of companies, large, small, also individuals as well. Um, but something I find really interesting um, in particular about PR was the this kind of the psychology that goes alongside it. I'd studied psychology um, at school and found it, I find that really interesting. And going into the PR module at university and learning that it's hugely dependent, or successful PR certainly, is hugely dependent on attitudes, behaviours, and all linked into that psychology um, sphere. Um, and that, I think, really interested me and intrigued me. And I think because it's so wrapped up in behaviours and attitudes, um, it's continually changing, it's never standing still. So you you have to go with people's different attitudes, how their behaviors change and whether that's week to week, day, you know, day to day. Um, so it, that side of the PR, um, I suppose, structure really, really interested me and intrigued me. Mm -hmm. I suppose it's kind of obvious now that you say it, but I don't suppose that's something I'd ever really thought of in terms of PR, if you were trying to you know, promote a product or a, or a business to a specific uh, group of people, I suppose it's, it, so it should really go without saying that you have to really know what those, that group of people, how they think and what they look for, I suppose. Yeah, I think it doesn't always happen that way, but I think that's typically when, when PR can fall a bit flat um, and where certainly my experience with with really impactful PR has always been, yeah, exactly what you've said, when you spend time really getting to grips with what is it that people want like you know how does it fit in with their daily routines and um, their budgets that kind of thing so that hopefully you know as you're you're progressing through PR campaigns it's not that hard sell and it's it's much more seamless um, mm -hmm. and therefore has a bit more impact with them yeah so uh, going from you know working in a, a fairly large city like like Liverpool to coming back up to, to the northeast how um how, how did you find that yeah, oh, it, it was. It was a huge, huge difference. Um, when I was in Liverpool, I was spending um, a good proportion of my time down in London as well. So um, particularly with some of the NHS campaigns, um, liaising a lot with Parliament for legislation and, and things. So um, yeah, up and down between Liverpool and London. So yeah, it was hugely fast paced. So I suppose coming back to Aberdeen, um, the pace slowed down a lot um, agency life typically in PR is always faster so the agency in Aberdeen yeah it was still quite fast paced but um, nothing like what I'd been used to um, working in, in Liverpool and, and London so that was a huge difference um, and I think just again sort of the reason I chose to go into an agency when I first came back to Aberdeen was really to get to grips with the, the media landscape up in Aberdeen, um, again, hugely different to Liverpool. Um, you can see similar characteristics coming out in, in journalists, but um, again, just trying to get to grips with, you know, who the, the publications are and who the journalists writing for those publications are and how that, you know, that's hugely different city to city. Um, but also, I think just again, going back to kind of understanding people and audiences, the people that live in Aberdeen, um, you know, it's very different to Liverpool. Um, and so I think what appeals to people in different cities is different. So 
I just to, to do my job well in Aberdeen, having to understand what, what businesses in Aberdeen were looking for, um, what consumers in Aberdeen are looking for, um, and just trying to, yeah, to get to grips with that. So hugely different all around really but um but i think as long as you understand the basic principles of of pr and have that experience and and know how to use them well um once you've done that bit of research whether it's into your audiences who this, the people within the cities are who the media the journalists are within the cities the same principles to actually roll out the pr are the mm -hmm. same so yeah. yeah and i guess it takes a bit of time probably as well you know if you're although you're obviously fr from from the northeast but you'd never sort of worked worked in the northeast in that field so it probably takes a bit of time to build up relationships um yeah absolutely yeah i left um yeah left aberdeen when i was 18 and and was away for 10 years so um even i mean aberdeen itself had changed hugely in that 10 years so um just as a city um and i suppose issues things that the city were going through challenges all of that had changed dramatically so so yeah i was um very much although i was from aberdeen um i was very much a, a newbie coming back to the city yeah so on a, on a non-work uh, or business sort of perspective how, how did you find that then coming back to a place that you'd grown up in but you'd been away as you say for 10 years yeah it was strange um definitely strange i say i left uh, straight after finishing school and and came back um and was married had um one child by that stage um and obviously friends and everybody everybody's lives have moved on so um yeah it was really interesting it was quite a nerve-wracking time you know taking that um i suppose a little bit of a risk you know uprooting yourself from a city of which had become home. Liverpool was very much home for me and taking us back up to Aberdeen. Um, yeah, it was quite daunting and quite, mm -hmm. quite nerve wracking. Yeah. Um, and it definitely, it probably took the best part of a year for Aberdeen to feel like home again. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, just, just another, just another learning curve. And yeah. yeah. So um, what, what was the main driver then for coming back to Aberdeen? Was it, was it sort of personal life? Because you obviously said you had a, had a family by that point. Was it, is that where you wanted yeah. to move family-wise or was it uh, work-wise or was it a bit of both? It was, it was really family-orientated. Um, definitely, I don't think I probably appreciated um, living and you know, living in Aberdeenshire, growing up in Aberdeenshire, just what a nice place it is and how safe it is for people growing up. Um, I didn't appreciate that until you move away. And then when I had my own um, child, kind of thinking... Oh, it is a lovely place to to grow up um so it was definitely that was the kind of my, my little boy was one at the time when we moved back up to to Aberdeen from Liverpool so so yeah it was definitely that was what um kind of gave us the push I suppose to come back up here um because we still have a lot of love for for, for Liverpool and are are down there frequently mm -hmm. so yeah if, if you've been been living in a place for 10 years you're going to make a lot of friends and especially from the ages of 18 to what 28 or thereabouts i guess whatever that's yeah. the sort of time you're, you're growing up into like a, a proper adult if you know what i mean and you yeah no definitely it's um yeah it's a hugely significant part of i suppose of my life and career and um and so yeah i've got nothing but fond fond mm. memories of of liverpool and i, I think it will always be part of me i think i'm a bit of a an adopted scouser mm -hmm. <laughs> well you're married to a scouser so that counts yeah it? exactly well i am yeah so we've got that link as well and uh, and, and yeah and my son was born in Liverpool so yeah. he's kind of a yeah. half scouser as well. 
Good stuff. Um, so maybe just give me, for somebody who doesn't know much about the PR business, the sort of, you've mentioned a couple of times that you've worked on both sides of the coin, if you like, you know, in-house uh, and for agencies. What's, um, what's the sort of main difference between the two? Uh, oh, yeah, I would say the, uh, the main difference is, is probably the pace um, and probably the creativity that has to go with that or as part of the, the reason there's such a pace. Um, working in agency, um, obviously you're there to provide that service. And so um, you're working for multiple clients, um, each of whom should feel like your priority. Um, so your time is split across them. And so with that comes, you know, you're working at pace because you're, you know, you're churning out a lot of um, results for clients or you should be anyway. Um, and I think as well with that, you're, you're thinking on your feet a lot, you know, you're going into meetings with clients and, and they're asking you things about, you know, new challenges that they're coming up against um, that you're maybe hearing about for the first time and they're looking to you for guidance and support there and then, okay, maybe you can go away and you can put some more thought behind that to kind of build out a much more solid approach. But in terms of just on the spot, what do you think, what should we be doing? Um, and so that creates the pace as well, whereas my experience certainly from working in-house and it's been both for public sector and private sector organisations is that that pace isn't quite there. You've got a little bit more um, foresight in terms of what the business is going through. You're living in that business day to day. So you know who the people are, what's happening, what the teams are working on. Um, so you have that luxury of, of time and information at your disposal to be able to plan and also then to be able to reach out to um, the likes of PR agencies, design agencies, when you come up against a challenge that maybe you don't have the specialism to deal with. Um, so you've got that. So yeah, I suppose that's the kind of, I think the main difference is really that the pace and, and I suppose the kind of planning and creativity, mm. they're very different. If you've worked in comms in-house, or you've worked for a PR agency, I think most people would say that they're completely different beasts. Yeah, I mean, I guess the way I would probably think of it as somebody that, like I say, doesn't know much about it was, it would strike me that, you know, if you're working in-house for, for one company, you, you would probably have a very clear sort of plan of, of what, you know, what you're putting out there on, on a certain schedule. Whereas if you're in an agency working for multiple clients, you might be reacting a bit more to, you know, they might pick up the phone and say, right, Ailey, we need this but we need it like yeah. next week, you know, it's more, probably more reactive in an agency. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely, uh, definitely exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So go sorry, to the start of Bold Street Media, which is your current business, you said 2016, you started that. Yeah. Um, out sort of on the back of the sort of downturn in Aberdeen at the time. So was it, obviously, was that a, a thing that you maybe thought about for some time, starting up your own, uh, agency or was it just a case of you know I've, I've, I've been made redundant from my job and you know what's the best plan going forward sort of thing yeah um being honest yeah it was it had always been something that I had um thought I would like to do um I felt like especially um my career in Liverpool because it had been such a steep learning curve I think the amount I learned um in that time um, was so condensed down it was incredible and coming out of that you know I, I really had that passion for 
I really want to do this. I want to um, go at it myself. But being realistic, coming back up to a new city, it wouldn't have been the right decision to do that straight away because I just wasn't familiar enough with the city at that point. Um, so in my head, I kind of was biding my time almost, you know, making sure that um, I was in the right place, the right position um, to, to launch, you know, my own business. Um, and I suppose the being made redundant was the push I needed. You know, it was that, you know, you sometimes you're in a good job and, and you've got responsibilities, whether that's family responsibilities, financial responsibilities and, and starting your own business um, can be quite daunting and, and can be seen sometimes as taking a risk. And so even, you know, being made redundant and should I do this now? Should I not? You know, it potentially could have been the worst time to set up a business because the city was not doing well and we were in the middle of a downturn. Um, but my thought was, you know, actually, I'm in a pretty good position at the minute where I, you know, it's not that I'm turning my back on a job and, and having that on my shoulders. It was, I've got, I've got time on my hands here. I've got a bit of an opportunity. Um, yeah. And my two children were a little bit older. So I was, again, just in a better position to be able to, um, to think about going it on my own. But, mm -hmm. but to begin with, it was just, it was just me and, and I had no real aspirations beyond it being just me at the time it was very much it was just going to be myself and it, I was going to be self-employed and and be a, a freelance PR consultant mm -hmm. so so what changed then and it was just a case it was a simply a case of volume of work you were getting that sort of forced not forced to hand but maybe got you to think well it could this could go be go beyond being just me yeah, I say it was it was a um, it was a tough time in Aberdeen when I set up the the business, and I really didn't know which way it would go. You know, even if what we were or what I was um, able to offer people was a great service, you know, if people don't have the budget for it, then it's kind of a non-starter. So, um, yeah, it, it was. Let's see how this goes, and um, the work, you know, started coming in. Uh, it was hard work, but you know, it was it was coming in and. It got to a stage where I was having to turn away work um, because part of when I set up the business, what I didn't want to do, I'd been in situations working for other companies where you are just churning work because there is so much of it to do that um, it, you just feel like you're on a bit of a hamster wheel. And when I set up on my own, I was I, I didn't want to get to that position because I really wanted to be adding value to businesses. And so when it came to the point in my own business where we were getting at what I was getting a lot of inquiries and I was having to turn people away because because of that reason because I didn't want to not be doing a good job of the people I was taking on um I had to make that decision and and it it was a hard decision to make you know do I want to continue growing the business and take on my first member of staff or am I happy just to kind of you know be happy with where I am and just do the work and the clients that we have on our had on the books at the time and um, and it, it you know, it was back and forward in my head for, a, a, you know, a good amount of time. Um, and I think it just became apparent that, that there was work I was turning away that I really wanted to do. It was really interesting projects. And, and it was when I was having to say to them, I'm really sorry, but I just don't have the capacity for that at the minute. It was really sticking with me and it was I was staying in my head afterwards like oh I would have loved to have worked on that mm. and that's really what I suppose changed changed it for me and I thought do you know what let's let's go for it and and let's bring on the first team member of Bold Street. Yeah so what what are you at in terms of team at the moment then? So at the minute there is myself and I've got two members of staff 
Um, so yeah, I brought on the first member of staff um, just before our second birthday. Um, and then the um, second member of staff, Carla, started with us uh, just over a year ago. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was like it was a gradual thing. It wasn't all at once, um, but it definitely it happened at the right time for the business. Yeah. I think for any business, it, as you say, you'd sort of maybe envisioned yourself as just being like you know like a, a self-employed freelance um, PR person, which is all well and good. But then it, it comes to the stage if you decide, okay, I'm going to hire a member of staff. That first dipping your toe in that water of staff for the first time is quite a daunting one. Is that how you find it? Yeah, really, really daunting because um, I think from two sides, one, you know, your business side, you um, you have so much kind of love for, for your business if you've put your all into it for a couple of years, no matter how much time you've put into it. But if a lot of energy, time, finance, everything has gone into that business and you feel hugely protective over what you've created and to let somebody else in and, and give, you know, part of that you know you have to delegate and give that over and, and open up a little bit is scary but also from the, the staff side of it it's you know it's a huge responsibility from an employer side you know you're taking somebody on and um and and wanting their experience working for you to be a good one and for you to be able to offer them I suppose you know that um financial support you know they're coming to you to help them support their their family their responsibilities whatever that might be so yeah it wasn't a responsibility i took on lightly at all um yeah as you say it is a huge commitment to not only as you say from from the point of view that you mentioned but also just purely from a monetary point of view you know you yeah. you've got to keep the keep the business going because if you if the yeah. business fails then not only would the member of staff be out of a job but you'll be out of a job sort of thing so yeah um, yeah and I think but I think that kind of certainly my approach with with the the Bold Street team is we have that very kind of um open transparent I hope they feel the same kind of relationship where it is kind of like you know money doesn't doesn't grow on tree and at trees and you know we all need to be working our hardest and and really going after it and really delivering for our clients because um as soon as the clients aren't there um the finances aren't there then then the business isn't there so mm-hmm. um yeah i think my approach with that hopefully helps it doesn't kind of sugarcoat it for for team members and, and it gives them a little bit of drive i think as well and they know that they're contributing to something as well and what they're doing actually has an impact for the business. Yeah, I, I guess, um, I think one of the things, when I used to be a member of staff um, back in back in my previous career, the thing that I absolutely hated was, like, I'm, I'm doing my work, and I'm doing it to, to what I thought was a decent level, but you never really, I always didn't really feel like you're having much of an impact on the business. Um, yeah. So I think if you can get in, into a position where staff members feel that they are part of a, they are making a difference and they are, really important to the business I think that goes a long way yeah definitely and I think that was again one of the things that I was really clear in my head that being an employer you know I think we've all had bosses which we don't think maybe have been the best or there's been areas which haven't been great where you've not enjoyed work or you've had that Sunday night dread or um and don't get me wrong not every day not every day at Bold Street's going to be you know a bed of roses but um I never wanted to to have members of staff that were feeling that they could never come and speak and speak to me openly about issues they were having or difficulties or challenges. Um, 
I, I know, and also, I'd, you know, work's a huge, huge proportion of, of where you spend your life and your time. And I certainly try to make sure that our team, as much as possible, are never dreading coming to work. They, they're look, maybe they're not always looking forward to it because it's, it's work, but they're not in that, you know, space where they're like, I, I would rather be anywhere other than here. Yeah, I think that's a, a cultural thing because I've definitely been in that position where, okay, I, I probably was in the wrong career to start with, which probably didn't help, but it was even sometimes it was that, as you say, the Sunday night dread of literally, I want to stay up as long as I can because if I fall asleep now, I'll be awake and it'll be Monday yeah. morning. That's not work. So that's not, if you can yeah. avoid that, then you're, then you're doing something right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like you've got a good team there. So how did you um, go about finding staff that fit with the business? This podcast is brought to you by Clearview Window Cleaning. Clearview provide commercial and domestic window cleaning services across the northeast of Scotland with customers ranging from large multinational oil and gas companies to small independent businesses and homeowners. Please visit our website at www.clearviewwindowsuk.com or search Clearview Window Cleaning on Facebook to get in touch. Whatever the view, why not make it a Clearview? Staff for me was purely um, social media, um, you know, um, putting things out on on LinkedIn um, and using my connections, really business and personal connections on LinkedIn to push that out. And um, and yeah, just utilizing that. So certainly when I recruit my first member of staff, it was it was on on LinkedIn um, and on Facebook and reaching out and, and trying to, 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 to find connections that way. Um, and then similarly, when we did the, I did the second round with looking for my second member of staff, it was all social media as well. But um, at that point, I think what was interesting was the first round of applying for that person. They're, they're just the, the people that I thought were going to, uh, the people that came forward anyway, weren't a right fit for Bold Street. You know, they were great and they were good at, I'm sure what they do, but um, we're a small team. And so that fit has to be right. Um, or that kind of gut instinct. Um, and so actually that first round for um, when we went out for what, uh, the role that Carla now does, um, I didn't actually recruit anybody um, from it because in my head, I was like, this has to be right. This, ha- the, the, this the person that comes on now has to not only fit with me and the business, but they also have to fit in as part of a team because there's Pauline as well in the mix now. And so actually, yeah, it came away from that recruitment process without a member, a new member of staff, um, and then actually waited a couple of months and then went back out on, on social media to do the process again. Um, and that's when um, I recruited Carla from, from that mix of people. So um, that wasn't something I thought I, that would actually ever happen as well, was actually doing a recruitment process and ending up with nobody at the end of it. But um, yeah, it was definitely, I, definitely the right move. I think you've got to, with small gonna, teams, even more so. That's, that's actually... Um quite a quite a brave decision I suppose to to go out and try actively look for someone and then decide okay instead I'm just going to take the best of this bunch mm-hmm. actually think no these aren't right for me so I won't bother employing anyone um yeah. So how- yeah and it was and it was it was a difficult time because I went into that process and it was you know all geared up for we're adding the next member to the team and um and yeah and to come out of it and be like no there isn't anybody joining for now um but as I say, for me, um, teams and especially what we, the way that we work is is very much, you know, we're a team and we constantly bounce ideas off each other and um, we all work across all of our clients. So that 
mix of our team has to be right for, I think, for our clients to get the best from us. But also, again, going back to kind of the working environment, that for me is so important to make sure that everybody's happy and, and we all, you know, we're all different, we're very different, you know, um, but we all get along so well. Yeah. So um, during that sort of process of looking for a staff member that you didn't end up hiring anyone, was it just a case of, was it plainly obvious to you that there was no candidate there that was right? Or how did you go about finding out that that was the case? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was just through, um, I, I mean, I, it's a difficult one as well because I didn't actually take it past the CV stage. So, you know, as an argument therefore, I actually should have seen people in person and actually maybe people on, on paper weren't great, but actually in person could have been. But in terms of what we do, a high proportion of what we do is um, is writing and is putting across a story. And so for me, that the whole CV covering letter was so important and if they weren't if that if they weren't speaking or getting themselves across in the best possible way um in that first round of recruiting um mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like it was going to be a fit just for part of the skill set that I needed um so so yeah it was it was and I say a, a lot of candidates we had you know had um had experience um and they were potentially looking for it was the right opportunity some of them you know it wasn't there was some gaps in, in in what I was looking for but there was some people there that on paper could have been okay but it just I think I genuinely believe a lot in this kind of gut feeling and um it wasn't there looking and going through CVs and I'm I'm a great believer in collaborating collaborating with people that are great in their skill set and so I always bring in a, an HR consultant and, a, and to do the recruitment process with me to make sure that I'm getting it right as well and so even going through that process with my HR consultant um, we were both in agreement no in that first round there just wasn't a fit. Yeah I, I guess um, for what you do and as you say a lot of your work you do is, is writing pieces for for businesses I guess um, having people send in a CV with a covering letter that's almost the, like almost like a perfect part one to an interview for you. Yeah. As you say, because as you said, it didn't speak to you. So you're in your back of your mind, you might have been thinking, well, this letter that they've sent to me isn't speaking to me. So why would anything that they write for a client speak to the client sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, and it is, it's one of the things that, yeah, it's, it's almost a bit of like a little assessment without it, you know, being badged up as an assessment. So mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, recruitment is hard. It's definitely one of the things that running a business, you know, it's, um, it's hard work and it's time consuming, but I believe in getting it right because I think that, you know, you need to have the right team and for Bold Street, yeah, we yeah. absolutely have that. Mm -hmm. As you say, getting it, getting it right is more important than just getting it done sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so it, obviously it sounds like the business is, gone from basically strength to strength since you started up and we've gone over half an hour without mentioning coronavirus or COVID-19. <laughs> um, so uh, what has the difference been from your perspective in your business sort of pre and post COVID? Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly, I think, you know, we're same as, as every other business. I think we've certainly felt the impact of um the COVID-19 situation and lockdown, um, we've definitely experienced challenges. Um, but 
I think we are one of the, the fortunate types of business in that um, we can, you know, pick up from our office. You know, we have our physical office, which we love. Um, and we could pick it, pick up literally, you know, and the day um, the lockdown was announced, you know, physically pick up our computers and our our files from the office and and go home and work from home um, and still deliver the same um, service for our clients. You know, we're really fortunate and we don't kind of take that for granted at all that we're hugely fortunate um, because I think we're, because of the fact that we have clients that are right across the board in every single industry from you know, oil and gas, hospitality, finance, um, we're seeing that for some of them, they don't have the luxury that we do. They cannot work. They, you know, it's, it is down tools and, and that's it for, for now. So yeah, it's been challenging and we've had impact um, and our challenge, our clients have felt impact, um, but we've managed to keep going. Um, and obviously we're working remotely as a team now, but you know, we still are a team and are, are still keeping in touch with each other as much as we can and, and trying to kind of, keep pushing through this but yeah mm. it's it's tough so in terms of d demand for your service in general then what what's what's that been like over this whole thing yeah i think um it's an interesting one for us in that right before lockdown and then the first couple of weeks of, of lockdown our um our workload went through the roof um because it was a lot of our own clients and, and new clients coming to us asking for for basically crisis communication support um, so how do we message to our staff how do we message to our clients like what do we tell them and how do we tell them and um, what's going on and give them confidence that we're going to be able to continue to either you know keep them up to date as a staff member or continue to, just, to deliver a service if they're a client. So from that point of view, you know, I think, you know, for that period of time, we were, we spent our time, the, the three of us and the team writing statement after statement for, um, for clients to, to issue to people. And because things were changing so quickly on a daily basis, the need for those statements to be updated and revised was, was there. And so our workload went, went through the roof. Um, I Pose, then it, it did kind of it dwindled a little bit um, and you know some of our clients had to say you know we are having to assess things and we might not be able to be talking about as much as we used to be able to we might not be able to be talking about as much good news putting out news releases or talking about contract wins and, and that kind of thing and, and so it quietened down a little bit but I suppose where we're at now is that people are starting to try I think and get themselves set up for a as people keep calling it new normal mm -hmm. um and recognizing that i think coming out of this people are having to put their best foot forward they've never they're ha never having to be stronger and part of that is their brand and communicating so we're seeing people coming to us now you know we need to change what our messaging is like what are we saying to people how you know our old messaging maybe just doesn't feel right in the current climate um, our services maybe have changed. So actually, how do we communicate that? Or, um, you know, the the audience, even their, you know, some of our clients, their their clients are changing because they don't, they've got new clients, they're offering new things. And so it's all a very much looking back at the brand and almost taking it back to back to basics for a lot of, of companies at the minute in preparation for 
coming back out and and really making sure that they're visible as a brand and mm-hmm. um, so so yeah it's again it's picking up and I think it's it's difficult for people you, you know unless you're advising on PR and communications there is that do we stay quiet do people want to hear from us do people who are having a really tough time want to hear from the people who've got good news stories are we being insensitive so it's difficult and I suppose that's been our job is really to to advise people through this period and make sure that we're doing it sensitively tastefully but that actually all of that good work hard work that you've put into creating your brand visibility which doesn't happen overnight doesn't disappear so that you know as a business community we're all stronger coming out of this so let's let's go to sort of non-working time for you what's um what's what's your way of getting away from from business and relaxing if you like yeah well do you know if i'm being completely honest um pre-lockdown I don't think it actually existed. <laughs> I was really bad for basically being probably a bit of a workaholic and um, other than work. And then I say I've got two, two children um, and a husband. So with all of that, I don't think really I was um, putting much time into anything else, which um, trying to take something positive out of lockdown, I suppose, um, is that actually it's made me slow down and actually go slower and needs to kind of, be something that we hold on to a little bit more coming out of lockdown and I think just me yeah spending a bit more time like what is it that I actually enjoy doing and it's you know even if it's just having time to sit and read um read a book or um I'm doing bar classes I don't know if you're familiar with bar no it's like a combination between yoga pilates and ballet um so just like a little bit of movement um exercise which again before lockdown i just wasn't prioritizing wasn't finding time for but during lockdown it's been hugely helpful just to kind of switch off and you know switch off from my own work but also switch off from homeschooling which is its own challenge but um so yeah i think just things that yeah say um bar class reading um I do genuinely love listening to podcasts. So even if it's just going for a walk and listening to a podcast. Um, and then we, um, me and a business colleague, set up our own podcast. So that's been filling some of our time. All right. Okay. You'll, you'll have to share with me. I don't think I've come across that one. I'm... Yeah. So it's called The Brand Sessions. And um, so you have to give it a little search on, it's on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Um so yeah, we we set that up to basically give people into uh, I suppose give people an insight into um, some of the businesses and people who we think have amazing brands um, locally. So we did some with, with some local businesses um, and have completed season one um, and now are are prepping season two. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's it started off you know just as a bit of a, a hobby, genuinely having a passion for brands, and I see working with Megan who um, has her own business, Zana Creative, which is um, videography. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, coming together to, to put the podcast together has ended up being a, a kind of I suppose hobby slash mm-hmm. sideline <laughs> for our day day life businesses. So yeah, yeah, well that's that's exactly the reason that I started doing this podcast is basically because. Um, I was kind of in the same similar situation as you were in terms of you can find yourself getting consumed by work um, and I wasn't really sure what my hobbies were that sounds stupid I mean I I play golf fairly regularly but I wasn't even getting to the point where I wasn't really 
that excited about it. So I was looking for something new and I've, I've loved podcasts for probably yeah. about 10 years and listened to them. I was just thought, well, I'm looking for something new. You might as well give it a bash. You, just like you, a little bit of a hobby or a bit of a side, yeah. side thing to keep, keep the brain going sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you say, like podcasts have been going for for years, but I think, you know, in amongst all of um, the current situation, they've kind of been um, given a new lease of life a little bit. And um, yeah, and I think it's fantastic. The amount of different ones that are out there on every subject imaginable, it's, it's, um, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, most of the ones I listen to are, are generally American football or business related. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm probably not that diverse, but the good thing about it is if you are really passionate about something, there's a podcast out there about that subject, as you say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, yeah, there is definitely, I mean, don't get me wrong, I listen to a lot of podcasts that are, yeah, like you say, like business related that are looking at latest, you know, PR and marketing trends and insights and that kind of thing. But equally, there's some great, you know, ones that have nothing to do with business. Um, and yeah, it's nice to be able to kind of just switch off and um, and and obviously they're, they're nice. I, I find that as well, you know, pre-lockdown, um with podcasts it was a nice way of like I was doing a lot of traveling in between meetings in the car and so to be able to just kind of throw in a podcast Mm -hmm. um yeah it's a nice nice way of feeling you're fitting something else in yeah absolutely so um so if we maybe go back to the the family life how I mean as I said I know if you've got your own business that basically consumes everything but how how have you dealt with juggling that with having two young children and a husband, as you say, that might need a bit of looking after. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it is definitely a juggle. Juggle is the right word. Um, and I don't get it right all of the time. Um, I don't think you can have it all. I think some weeks, um, you know, you need to be in your in, in the family more and they need your attention much more. Um, other weeks, that side of thing goes, goes great and you can focus a bit more time on the business. Um, so I think it's just, you know, you have to be hugely organized. I think as soon as the plan goes out the window, as soon as this kind of schedule, the routine goes out the window, that's when it becomes more difficult. Um, but I think, you know, they're both, at, well, pre-lockdown, they're both at school. Um, and, and obviously we have child um, childcare, which, which helps. Also, I'm in a really fortunate position in that our office is in the same village that my children go to school, um, which was part of the reason, you know, the, the office had to be right in itself. And it is, we're, we're amazingly lucky that we've got such an incredible space with amazing views, but um, a big part of choosing where the office was going to be um, was because it's two minutes away from my children's school so there's no commute <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm very lucky and um, there's no commute and if they need me I can be there and um, so yeah it's just about being organized and having a good team I feel like we again we all have each other's backs in that respect and um, that you know one member another member of the team she has children um but equally the other member of the team who doesn't have children doesn't mean she doesn't have any you know she's got other responsibilities so I think if there's ever a time where one of us needs to duck out of the business to see to something the rest of us have got each other's back so yeah I think it's a combination of having an understanding husband <laughs> as well and yeah organization and a good team just to kind of be able to rely on yeah. um, to make sure the cogs keep turning as you say it's all fine until the until something goes wrong that wasn't part of the plan and, it, <laughs> and then you're scrambling to 
yeah to fix it <laughs> definitely and i think yeah you definitely have to you know i see like i said before i don't ever claim to have it all um all sorted and um all running perfectly you know some weeks are better than others but i think yeah you're a lot of it is thinking on your feet and and as long as people are okay and fit and well and the business is still going and we've got clients that are happy then i think we're doing something okay yeah i don't think anyone actually does have it all sorted out really to be honest no. um it, you always look at other people and think oh they seem like they're really in control of stuff and then you find out that they're not doesn't matter who they are everyone's yeah. just uh, nobody, nobody and i really think i think probably this um lockdown period has maybe shown us that more than ever i think you know people have had to just be a little bit more transparent everyone's working from home there's a lot of people juggling you know homeschooling or other responsibilities as well um and so people you know you end up finding out a little bit more about everybody's lives and um and i think it's quite good because people are certainly you know we have very good relationships with our clients where you you know you have to we just kind of be upfront with people and if you know sometimes life happens and to the best of your ability um you're gonna you know always do your best for clients but there's sometimes when things are out of your control and um that's just life so i think yeah this this um hopefully this period has maybe taught us all a little bit of just understanding everybody's different circumstances yeah i think so and, and as you sort of touched on earlier it's 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 sort of forced us all to slow down a little bit because we yeah you know we, we don't i mean at weekends now up until now anyway we, we've basically been at home we don't have anything to do at weekend if you're you know unless you're going to work from home at the weekend or whatever but nobody has any plans so yeah <laughs> it's kind of like i've now got this time that i didn't generally have so i'm one of the things i'm going to try and take forward from this is a it, it, kind of like yourself is sort of make the time to slow down and and have take that time if you go for a run or whatever you, you yeah. want to do to and re read a book or whatever that i never normally did but i've started doing um to try and switch the brain off from the the day-to-day -day stuff yeah i think it is i think it's um i think it's been a really big lesson for a lot of people who were potentially feeling maybe like they were on the the edge of a bit of a burnout for a while and and this has been a enforced slow down and you know obviously don't get me wrong nobody would have wanted this situation but i think yeah if taking anything good out of it is just to kind of remember that we can all slow down a little bit and 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 still hopefully be um doing a bit of our business or if we're not actually physically doing the business planning for for what it's going to be coming out of it yeah well i think i think that's a pretty good uh, note to end on we're all going to slow down a little bit and and take a bit of time for ourselves so um thanks very much for your time um as i mentioned earlier it's, it's probably the, the nicest weather day we've had this year so thank th thank you for, for for giving up some of that and coming inside to speak to me oh no that's okay thank you for having me on it's been great i hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you did uh, please tell a friend about us try and get them to subscribe and listen if you didn't enjoy it uh, just pretend it never happened Please subscribe to our feeds in your Apple or Google podcast app or follow us on Spotify. We'd also appreciate it if you would like and share our Facebook page. Uh, just open up Facebook and search for Business and Chill Podcast to find us. So until next time, let's get back to business. But don't forget to take some time to chill.